0: Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 and 6 and 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It's an amazing thing that these words given by the prophet Isaiah are speaking of Jesus, the Messiah. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. This morning, I'm going to preach about the name Everlasting Father. Children, I want you to pay special attention to that phrase, Everlasting Father. I imagine many of you, little ones, are preparing gifts for your parents, and maybe your siblings and grandparents, maybe aunts and uncles too, but your mom and dad. Receiving gifts from you little ones is an incredible blessing. You know that our church is under an amazing amount of construction. And it won't be a whole lot longer until we're able to be in that part of the building. One area that's been renovated is our offices. And just over the last couple of weeks, I've been able to move back in. But even to get to my office, I still have to put a hard hat on. But I now have space again. All of my books and all of my belongings had to be moved out, and now they're slowly coming back in, which means that I'm unpacking things. And some of the things I'm unpacking, I'm simply like, why do I still have that? I don't need it anymore, I'm giving it away. Other things I rediscover, and this is one. I've shared before how important journaling is and has been in my life. Um, It slows me down. My journals are really filled with nothing more than prayers and scripture. It's not so much a diary, but it's full of prayers, and, and it's also full of confession, my weaknesses, my struggles, as well as the victories that I have in Christ. And this last week, I opened a box that had several of my journals in it, and I came across this one. I didn't even remember it. Really, this isn't necessarily the kind of journal I would buy, so I wasn't sure why it was in there, and then I opened it. And there in the front of the journal, it looks like a child has written something. And that's not my writing. My writing isn't necessarily beautiful, but it doesn't look like this. Here it says, this journal, the J is backwards, was given July 2000, not 2003, from Kara and to Dada. Love you. 2003 was my first summer here our first summer here in Dallas. I took a picture of the cover of the journal and sent it to Kara, who's now 24 and married. And I said, do you remember this? She says, I think I do. So I felt a little bit better. And then I sent this page to her. This journal, July 24, 2003, this journal was given to me by my oldest child, Kara, as a welcome home present upon my return from Peru, my first international mission trip with this church. I'm grateful. I asked the Lord to bless the pages of my life that this journal will be a testimony to. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and look forward to seeing it recorded in this beautiful journal. And then I wrote this. To all my children, at that time, there were only three. Esther Kate, who's here this morning with the Axleys, my wife is at home, and Sammy weren't born yet. To all my children, I desire above all things to live before you a life transformed by the power of God's grace. I could never do it on my own. The reason I want to start here today, little ones, is because this was a gift, a very powerful gift from my daughter who was seven at the time. I forgot about it, but every page is written on And it records my deepest desires for the Lord and for the Lord to be present in my children's life. And today I'm going to be preaching about a title given to Jesus called Everlasting Father. Now that's interesting because Jesus is the Son. So, how is it that the Son of God, Jesus, would be called Everlasting Father? Well, to be clear, this verse, this passage is not teaching us that Jesus is the Father. There is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But what it's teaching us is Jesus, fully God, fully man, has these attributes like a Father, a perfect Father. And what I want you to know is, I share this morning about the attributes of Jesus, the Everlasting Father, is that he is the only one, the only human being to ever be the perfect everlasting father, pointing to the heavenly father. You see, your dad and your granddad, your mom, your grandma, your older siblings, your aunts, your uncles, all humans, we all fall short, we fail. We make mistakes as daddies. We make mistakes as mommies, but not Jesus, who's the everlasting father. My journals are honest, and I share in one of the pages of this journal, about a month after I received it, I wrote these words. I'm living in tremendous guilt over my failings as a father. My time with my children is little, and the time I spend with them is rushed. My temper at times flares, and there's no excuse. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Have mercy. And he does. This morning, I'm going to be preaching, as I always do, about Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm gonna be teaching you that this Savior, who has been given the title Everlasting Father, is the only one who can meet all your needs. As an earthly father, I desire deeply to point all of my children to Jesus. As an earthly pastor and preacher and shepherd of God's people, I desire to point all of us continually to Jesus. And here's why. The dark world that we have been hearing about and singing about is a reality. It's not a new reality, it's a very old reality. Once the the first father, so to speak, Adam, and the first mother, so to speak, Eve, sinned. Darkness really entered into this world their eyes were open immediately. They recognized they were naked. They hid from one another. And the broken relationship between Adam and Eve and the broken relationship between Adam and Eve and God was very serious. But even in Genesis 3, where that's recorded, the Heavenly Father reveals He has a plan. He has a plan to bring a Savior, the only one who can rescue His people. And that is Jesus. And so when we go back to the book of Isaiah, to the verses, look with me in your bulletin, you'll see right away that the world that they were living in, the reality that had been described for them, was described as darkness. Isaiah 9 verse 2, the people who walked in darkness. Now the darkness that they were experiencing is the kind of darkness you and I experience. The consequences of living in a sinful world means that there's darkness outside of us, but there's also darkness inside of us. It's sin. And this darkness creates incredible pain. Every time we gather, the pain is real. You're bringing into the sanctuary, and if you're worshiping with us online, you're sitting there with burdens that are heavy because of sin, because of darkness. And even though you may believe in Jesus and truly be in Christ and have union with him, this side of heaven, you're still experiencing that pain. Some of us have really heavy hearts for loved ones who are sick. Some of us have heavy hearts as it relates to work, whether it's a company we're leading or a company we work for, whether we're wondering about how much we really need to survive in terms of income because we've lost a job, The world is dark. Sometimes the issues that we bring into the sanctuary and before the Lord are relational. There's tension between husband and wife or tension between wife and husband and parenting is hard. Whether it's a young child or an adult child, there's real brokenness and it's dark. And we can't deny it. In fact, we shouldn't deny it because when we admit how dark it is and actually going further, we admit that we really can't even see how dark it is. That's when the brightest of lights are revealed. It's Christ. The bright light of the gospel is revealed to us. But it comes in this way. A promise and a prophecy, both fulfilled, that are pointing to a person. And the person it's pointing to is Jesus, whose name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Two weeks ago, Paul preached about Jesus as wonderful counselor. Last week, I preached about Jesus as mighty God. Today, I'm preaching about him being everlasting father. Paul will preach about the prince of peace next week. So everlasting father. Whenever we bring up a title like father, I'm very aware of what it means to be an earthly father that has deep desires but falls short. I'm also aware of what it meant to be a son of a father who had deep desires but fell short. Every one of us here, everyone watching, everyone born has a father, an earthly father. And their father had a father, and that father had a father. And all of those fathers were born falling short of the glory of God. And sometimes when we hear this phrase father, images of disappointment or discouragement or pain can can be revealed because they're earthly fathers. We call that a father wound. Some who have had incredible earthly fathers, godly men who really appointed them to Jesus still recognize that their earthly father cannot be everything. He's limited in knowledge, he's limited in strength, he's limited in power, he's limited in presence, and he's limited in how long he's going to live. My father died when he was 71, and so did my mom. They were both very young, they died about eight years apart. That wound is still deep, especially in seasons like this. Every earthly father is going to die. Everyone, until Christ returns. And that can be painful. Monday alone, and this has never happened, I received three messages that three members of our church lost their dad over the weekend. That's a deep, deep wound. And darkness feels that pain. You feel it, it's the sting of death but there's something we have. All who are in Christ have the one who's called Everlasting Father. So this morning as I preach about his attributes, let's start there. Everlasting Father. That's the title Jesus has given. The word everlasting means eternal. It means literally that Jesus is our eternal Father. Father. Another way of translating the Hebrew in this passage is it says the father of eternity. And what that means is that Jesus, the everlasting father, is going to live forever and has lived forever. This is amazing to me, but Jesus Christ, the baby born, the infinite, is also the one we call infinite. The child that is dependent upon his mother's breast is the one who created her in his own image. The one born Jesus, the son, is as old as his father and older than his mother. Jesus, everlasting father. This dependent infant is upholding the earth by the word of his power. He's eternal. All who are in Christ have an everlasting father who will live for eternity, who lives in eternity, who always has and always will be. And all who are in Christ have that promise forever. So when we speak about the presence of a father, and Jesus being called Everlasting Father, that's the reality that we know. So often this side of heaven, we can experience the pain of a father's lack of presence. Some sons and some daughters here today know the experience of having a a dad that simply wasn't around, he wasn't present. He could have been out working hard to provide for you. He could have been driven to accomplish a lot of things. Whatever the reality in your life was, he just wasn't very present. Some do not have that story. Some, their father was very present physically, but not very present emotionally, not very present relationally, not very present spiritually. And that absence creates longings in our heart that are very real. Some had fathers or have fathers, that actually their presence is evil. The things they say or the things that they might do against their own child really are evil. And some have that experience. So when they hear about this God being called father and everlasting father, it's a hard image to receive as warm and comforting. And friend, if that's your story, if you've been the victim of abuse like that, from a father, from a mother, from another adult. That is an evil that is hard. But that is not our God. Our God, the everlasting Father, gives us his presence. And his presence, like all of his attributes, are perfect. There's no aspect of his presence that is not perfect. God is called omnipresent. Omnipresent. He is present in every way you and I need him to be, even when we feel that he might be distant. Our Lord told us, Jesus, the everlasting father, as he was moving away, going to ascend into heaven, that we would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the helper, that's God, who lives in us. Our God is very, very present. He's not only present. As we move to the second attribute, we see that he is our provider. I asked my youngest son this week, I think on Tuesday, I said, Sammy, what's a a dad's job? And I had no idea what he was going to say. He said, though, to protect us, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, and to provide for us. I stopped there. I didn't know how far he might go with my sermon outline. But he's right. An earthly parent's job is to provide for their children. The provision that God gives us meets every need. He says to his disciples when they ask him how to pray, pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread. We don't necessarily like daily bread. We want tomorrow's bread, next week's bread, just like the people of Israel. But God is faithful to provide for us everything we need. But his provision, this is what's amazing, is perfect. He is the one whose counsel that we need by way of provision. He's the wonderful counselor. His power that we need, he's the mighty God. The peace that we so desperately need, wait till next week, it's perfect peace. This is who we have, not just what, but who we have in Christ. This Everlasting Father is present. This Everlasting Father is provision. Third, this Everlasting Father is protector. Protector. You hear that language in Isaiah's voice. This protector, as an Everlasting Father, is a protector unlike any protection we know. I always tell new dads as they're waiting for their child to be born, as that day is approaching when their their wife will deliver their firstborn, I say there's going to be a new level of love that comes over you. There's going to be a zeal and a desire to protect your child that you just never knew existed. The same little girl that gave me this journal when she was two or three was playing in a ball pit At McDonald's in St. Louis. I've shared this story before. A little boy twice her age, which meant he was probably five or six, took one of those balls that don't exist anymore because it's not legal. And he took these balls and he just simply looked at her and drilled her in the face. I saw it. I looked at his eyes and then I looked at my daughter's eyes and I watched the tears come. I moved towards the door of the ball pit. I picked my little girl up. I took her to her mom. And I said, Christina, watch Kara. And I went back to the ball pit. And I picked up a ball. And I looked at the little boy. And I drilled him right in the head. He said nothing. But his eyes told the story. Why would this man throw a ball at me? Because you threw it at my daughter. All I said to him was, it hurts, doesn't it? And then I ran back to Christina and said, we got to go. <laughs> we did. What I did was inappropriate. Let's be honest. To be clear, you should not do that. It was a softball, not, not a softball. It was a rubbery, soft, very softball. But the scars were probably more emotional and internal. I shouldn't have done that but I loved my little girl. I wanted to protect her. God's love for us is so much greater. Fathers, no matter how much you think you can do to protect your child, no matter how strong you feel like you are physically, and even in the Lord, you will never be able to protect them perfectly. But you can point them to the one and only one who can. Who is an everlasting father, whose power cannot be measured, whose desire to protect is far greater, whose love cannot be measured. It's simply in measurements called how wide and deep and long and high in the Greek, that means endless. This is Jesus, the everlasting father. Lastly, I want you to see how Jesus, as everlasting father, prays for his children Turn to John chapter 17. The passage that John records here for us, God's people, records the high priestly prayer. And children, if you really want to know how much your fathers care about you, ask them. And if they're in Christ, and I believe they're here, they are in Christ, you you will see a man that knows you deeply need Jesus. And you will hear that in his prayers for you. But even greater, your dad, your daddy, your grandfather, if they're in Christ, are praying to the one who's actually praying for you. This everlasting father, Jesus, we hear his prayer. And we're also told that he lives to intercede. That means to pray for us. So I want you to listen to a portion of his prayer. Later on today, I encourage you to open up John 17 and read the entire prayer. It's not very long. John 17, 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. So picture that scene. And he said, Father, the everlasting Father, is praying to the Heavenly Father. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you would have given him. Verse 9, Jesus prays. I'm praying for them. He's speaking about his disciples. I'm praying for them. I am not praying for the world. But for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may not be one, even as we are, that they may be one even as we are one. Now, as I keep reading this prayer, listen for God's provision. Listen for his protection. Listen for his presence. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. That was Judas. Verse 13, but now, Father, I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, they may have, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, provision. And the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one, protection. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is Jesus' actual prayer. Now listen, because he's about to pray for you. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. If you are in Christ, a believer of Jesus, resting in him alone for your salvation, you are an answer to this prayer. Don't let that be lost on you. Jesus prayed this prayer out loud to the Father. If you've trusted in him, you are an answer to this prayer. What God's word goes on to tell us is that Jesus, now ascended into heaven, now reigning as king, lives to pray for you lives to intercede for you, he's doing so now because he is our protector and our provider. Later in John, like the rest of the Gospels, there will be another prayer recorded. And this prayer from Jesus is going to the Father as well. And it's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays this prayer. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will be done, but yours. He prayed that prayer twice, at least. But it was the will of God to say no to that prayer. At least the first one. It was the will of the Father to crush his son so that you and I and all of his children who would trust in him could live forever. When Jesus prayed, thy will be done, that prayer was answered yes. And his will was to fulfill what was necessary that we might live forever. The everlasting Father, Jesus, his presence was then seen on the cross. And on the cross, Jesus became the great provision that all who would trust in him would need, that we could then live forever in the presence of God, protected from the wrath of God that we all deserved. Jesus, present on the cross, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that all who trust in Christ would never have to make that prayer statement. Friends, the world is dark. Like me, day after day, Sunday after Sunday, I feel the darkness. I feel it outside. I feel it inside. I see it in my life. I see it in our life. The great aim is for us to rest in the presence of the living God, to trust our everlasting Father who is the perfect provider and the perfect protector and is praying for us even now. Lord, it's amazing that as we bring our petitions to you, as the wonderful counselor, you know them already, As the Prince of Peace, you are interceding for us. As the Mighty God, you know exactly what we need, and you are able to meet that need. As the Everlasting Father, there is never an absence of your presence, not in your people, nor will there be for all eternity. Lord, I pray today that we would leave with the desire to act. An atonement act that you gave to us would ignite in us an Advent act where we simply would meditate upon these truths, especially when the weight of the darkness feels so heavy. Lord, give us this Advent action of simply meditating upon you as our everlasting Father. And Lord, if there are those today here or worshiping online who are just beginning to seek what all this means, would you rescue them by showing them who you are as everlasting Father? Jesus, we long to see you And one day we will. Until that day, Holy Spirit, continue to illuminate our hearts and minds to be transformed by the truth of who you are. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.